All right, we are looking today, we're going to be starting a new series, uh, First and Second Thessalonians, and the title of the series is uh, Living in the Last Days. Now, whether you realize it or not, we are and have been living in the last days. Now, why it's referred to as the last days is because this is the time before Jesus comes back. And you say, well, we've been living in it an awful long time. I remember 20 years ago they talked about us living in the last days. Yes, we're living in the last days. You need to be aware of that. And yes, it's probably been 20 years, but God doesn't have the same time schedule as we do. He wants us to be aware, even in Paul's day, they were living in the last days, and he's giving us some instructions and some thoughts about how we are to live our lives. So we're going to start out today kind of doing an introduction to these letters. You need to understand what the letters are, how they fit into the New Testament, what is the purpose of the letters, and then we're going to look at each specific, how the church started in Thessalonica, and then also kind of see what the purpose of each one of the letters are. Next week we'll get right into 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So let's look together at uh, this issue. Let's talk about the nature of the epistles. Now, I need everybody to understand there are different levels of reading. And when, when we encourage you to read and study your Bible, um, a lot of times people are on the first level, which is you just read it and you kind of look for something for you that day and you just kind of have a surface understanding. And that's where a lot of people are at. There's another level beyond that. And the level beyond that is, is you begin to have an understanding of the types of books that are in the Bible and that each type is different. And so therefore, you may see something different if you understand the type. So that's what we're going to talk about here today. So the New Testament is made up of four types of books. Okay, they're not all the same. They're not all written the same way, and they're not all written with the same purpose. Okay? And so you need to understand that, because when you approach a letter, you, you don't want to approach, you want, when you approach a book in the Bible, you just want to say, okay, God, speak to me today without understanding what's going on. There was a reason why that letter was written, and it has a purpose, and that purpose, if you understand it, is probably going to give you a greater understanding of what God wants for you. You understand? Rather than just picking a verse out, okay? Uh, like, did you ever hear about the guy who did his devotions? You know, he, what he would do is, is how he did, it, he did his devotions is he would, he would just say, okay, God, show me something today. And so he opened up his Bible and, uh, he, he fell on one of the gospels and it said, Judas hung himself. Oh, that can't be right. What about that for me? So he flips through again. Like, where, where else do I go? And so he picks another place and he puts his hand down and it says, go and do likewise. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? That's not a good way to do your devotions. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to have an understanding of what's going on here. So the New Testament has, is made up of four types of books. And here they are. First of all, there's the Gospels. 
That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The gospel, literally the gospel means good news. So it's the good news of Jesus Christ. So the gospels, their purpose is to communicate to you the person of Jesus Christ, his life, his teaching, his death, his burial, his resurrection. So you got the gospels. Then there's the historical books. Now, in the New Testament, there's only one historical book, and we just went through that, and that's the book of Acts. Now, a historical book is different in that it is a record of what God wants you to see concerning an issue. It's not going to tell you everything, but it's going to tell you what God wants you to see, and that was the book of Acts. We've already went through that. The third type of book is an apocalyptic book. Those are books that have to deal, that deal with the apocalypse or what's coming in the future. And that is the book of Revelation. And then the fourth type is the epistles. Okay, so the epistles. Now we're going to talk, we're going to, so because we are going to look at an epistle, we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about what an epistle is. You say, George, we're going to study 1 Thessalonians. Why are we going through this? Well, because I want you to understand as we look at this letter, what Paul is writing about, okay? Why we need to approach this letter differently than, say, a gospel, okay? So, each type of book varies in its purpose and its structure. So, each type of the book, each type of book varies in its purpose and its structure. So you, when you read a historical book, it's not going to be the same thing as reading an epistle because the epistle is going to have specific instructions for that church that's being written to or that individual about what needs to happen. When you have, the, when you have an historical book like Acts, it's simply communicating to you a record of what God had done versus when you read an apocalyptic book like Revelation, that's telling you what's going to take place. It's not imparting instruction it's telling you what's going to take place, okay? So each type of book varies in its purpose and its structure. So the, the difference in types requires approaching the book based upon its type. So the difference is going to require you to approach the book based upon its type. Now, this sounds complicated, but it isn't. The more you read the Bible, you begin to understand. So let's talk about the epistles. The epistles can be divided into two groups. There are two groups of letters in the New Testament. The letters of Paul and what's known as the general letters. Okay? The letters of Paul and what's known as the general letters. Okay? So there are 13 letters of Paul in the New Testament. Some say 14, but there's only 13, okay? What do you mean there's 14? I'll explain that in a moment. The epistles are not consistent and they're not uniform. They're not consistent and they're not uniform. What does that mean? They're not all written the same way and they are different in their structure. So you have some letters that are like circular letters. What does that mean? Well, Anybody work in a job where they send out memos? You get a, a memo at work? 
is there, do memos tend to be very personal? No, they just kind of tell you what's going on. Now, do you get emails from your boss that might be personal? It's like, hey, hey, Bruce. You know, hey, Brucey. You know what I'm saying? Whatever he calls you, all right? I don't know that your boss would call you that. Okay. But you know what I'm saying? And uh, hey, Robbie. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, Sammy. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, talk to you later. Have a, you know. There, there are different types of letters. We know that even from our life. You get the form letters. You get different things. There are circular letters. There are personal letters. There are letters to churches here, okay? And they're not consistent in how they're written. Some are written with a heading following the traditional manner, or some are just, you don't know who it's being written to. It's, it's kind of like a circular letter. So one thing I do know, and we do know, is this, is that the epistles were, were intended for a specific occasion. All right? The, the, let's say we had a problem here at our church. Let's say there was an apostle alive today. And let's say it was Paul, if he was alive today. Let's say we were facing a decision here. The elders, the trustees were facing a decision here about what to do, and we don't know what to do. So we popped off an email to the apostle Paul telling him what is going on here and what, and what we need to know from him. And then he returns a letter, the first letter to the church in Kerwinsville, okay, with what we need to do, okay, and it's instructions from the apostle about what we need to do. Now, let's say that letter we get, we forward it to a hundred other churches, and they read it in their church, okay? Now, I'll, now, everybody in that hundred churches that we forward it to, even... Let's say if you were here and you weren't part of the original letter that the leaders sent out, all you have is what the, the apostle is telling you, his response to the letter. You don't have the original letter that was sent. You don't have the original report. All we have is the response. Did you understand what I'm saying? So part of reading the letters is trying to understand, as the Holy Spirit gives you guidance, Trying to understand, well, what, why is Paul answering this question? What was the issue there? Did you understand? Because if you understand the issue, then you understand what he's trying to address. Did you understand what I'm saying? Which helps you to understand what he's saying, okay? Which helps you to understand what he's saying. So the epistles were attended for a specific occasion. The occasion of the epistle must be taken seriously. Because here's the thing, I'm going to tell you a principle if you want to write this down. No book of the Bible can mean any more than what the original author intended it for. Do you understand what I'm saying? No book of the Bible can mean any more than what the original author intended it for because the original author was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write what you have in your hand for a specific purpose. And that purpose transcends ages. It transcends cultures so that what he was writing for, that is for us today. Did you understand what I'm saying? Where we have a lot of problems today is, is when people go to a letter and try to make some kind of crazy rule or something and try to say that the letter is telling them to act in this way when, like, how to, how to handle your automobile. Well, you know, in Paul's day, they didn't even have automobiles. 
You know what I'm saying? Or in Paul's day, they didn't have the internet. You can get principles about what you feed your mind from the epistles, but you don't have specific things being talked about by the internet. It can't mean more than what it meant to the person who wrote it. And it's important that you understand it. You've got to take that seriously. You've got to take that seriously. Now, here's the one that kind of throws people because we assume that this is what epistles are, but epistles are not necessarily theological treatises. Some are, like the epistle to the Romans. That's very much a laying out of Paul's doctrine, okay? That's very much a theological treatise. But there are some letters like, okay, third, third, uh, first John, excuse me, third John, where John is writing about how to deal with a bully in the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? By the name of Diotrephes. That's not a theological treatise there. You understand what I'm saying? There's things to learn from 3 John, but you don't take it as that's theo- that, that this is a theological statement. Hebrews is a theological statement. Okay? The epistle to the Hebrews is a theological statement. But there are other books that are not. For instance, the epi- Paul's epistle to Philemon. That's not a theological treatise. Why? Because it's a personal letter to a guy concerning a runaway slave that Paul is sending back to his master. That's not a theological treatise, okay? So we've got to be careful. The text can't mean what it never meant to its author or its original readers. It can't mean anything more than that. Do you understand what I'm saying? So listen, when somebody says to you, can I be honest with you, the scariest phrase, if you hear this being uttered, by a preacher on the radio, or if you ever hear me say that, or if you ever hear a speaker come in and say this, I found something new. Turn them off, walk out. Just being honest with you. There is nothing new. We've got 2,000 years of Christianity, 2,000 years of the letters. It means what it means. If somebody comes along and says, I found something new. You need to shut him off. You need to, you need to, if you don't want to be rude and walk out, you need to ask him later, what do you mean by that? I have concerns. You have a right to ask. I have concerns. And then go somewhere else. Well, I can't go somewhere else because, you know, some churches, they got a cemetery because grandma's buried in the back. Well, if grandma could leave, she would leave too, okay? Do, do you understand what I'm saying? The, the point is, is you need to understand is, is that there is nothing new. And the text can't mean what it never <laughs> meant to its author or the original readers. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like when somebody reads the book of Revelation and says the locusts that are actually very much portrayed as demons are nothing but helicopters. Really? I'm sure John was figuring it was a helicopter back then. You know, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, you just got to be careful. You say somebody says that, yeah, you'd be surprised what's out there, okay? You'd be surprised what's out there. Now, while we share similar life situations with the first century church, God's word is the same for us. Where we share similar life situations, and to be honest with you, life hasn't changed. 
Families still have problems. Sins are still the same. People are enslaved. People are facing temptations, wanting to know how to face them. People are facing difficulties in their work situations and stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nothing has changed. We still face the same issues of life. Look, I'm 50 years old. Some of you here are a little bit older than I am. The stuff you're facing today maybe comes in a different package, but it's about the same stuff as it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago, wasn't it? Maybe you didn't go through it, but you knew somebody else who went through a similar situation. You know what I'm saying? So while we we share similar life situations, so God's word is the same for all of us, for the first century church and for us. You need to understand that, okay? You need to understand that. So let's look at the birth of the church. Look, If you open up, we're in 1 Thessalonians, but let's go back to Acts. I say, oh, George, we were just in Acts. Yes, we were, but let's go back to Acts for a moment. And look at chapter 17. We're just going to focus on four verses. This is Paul's second missionary journey, okay? Look at verses 1 to 4. Now, when they had passed through Amphilius and Apollyanna, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scripture, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. So let's take a look here. First of all, Paul and Silas journeyed through Amphilius and Apollyanna to Thessalonica. So we see they're, they're taking a trip. They're kind of making their way through Macedonia. Now notice now Paul's ministry in the synagogue. This was his custom. It was Paul's custom to enter the synagogue where he preached for three Sabbaths. So he was there for three weeks. He preached every Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday. That's when the Jews would gather and the God-fearers would gather. And he preached for three weeks. Preached for three weeks. Paul showed that the Messiah had to die and rise again. So from the Scripture, Paul focuses on the fact that the Messiah had to die because that would be a new concept to them. In their mind, they didn't understand that the Messiah had to die. So Paul, probably from Isaiah 53, where it's very vivid in the destruction of what the, what the Messiah has to go through, probably is preaching to them that the Messiah had to die and that he had to rise again. So Paul showed that Jesus was the Christ or the Messiah. Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when we say Jesus Christ, it's actually what we mean there is Jesus Messiah. Jesus the Messiah. So Paul showed that Jesus was the Christ and or the Messiah. Now some of the Jews and a large number of the God-fearing Gentiles responded to Paul and Silas. So Again, there's a response. Some of the Jews respond, but a large number of the God-fearers, okay, which are the Gentiles, respond to the gospel. 
Now, that's how the church started. So, but what I want to do is I want to spend the last 10 minutes or so talking about each letter. So we're going to talk about why 1 Thessalonians was written and why 2 Thessalonians is written. Now, let me go ahead and tell you that 1 and 2 Thessalonians are the oldest letters in the New Testament. So if you want to know when he wrote this, he wrote this while he was still on his missionary journey. And these are what these are two of the oldest letters in the New Testament. Okay? So let's talk about them. First of all, 1 Thessalonians. The letter was written while Paul was in Corinth in A.D., sometimes in A.D. 50 to 51. Sometime between A.D. 50, the year 50 and 51, he wrote this letter. He had gotten a report from them concerning an issue, and he wrote this letter to them. Paul wrote the Thessalonians in response to a good report that Timothy brought him. So Timothy obviously had been up visiting the Thessalonians and visiting their church, and he came back to Paul while Paul was in Corinth and brought a good report about what was going on. Okay, so he brought a good report about what was going on. There. So Paul's writing this letter concerning this report. He wrote the letter in order to encourage the new church in their faith. So he's writing the letter to encourage them in their new faith. Now let me just stop for a moment. Why would they need encouraging as they're a new church? Well, you've got to remember now, when churches started in, 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 in Greece there, they, they weren't necessarily like where we are right now. If a church starts, they don't have to worry about any kind of problems. They've got people who don't like them. They've got Jews who are stirring up the Gentiles. They're facing persecution. I mean, it's like a serious thing to start a church there. It's, it's a, an extreme situation. And so when you're getting beat up, literally beat up, not just figuratively, but literally beat up, every once in a while you need some encouragement, don't you? And you need somebody to write you and tell you, keep hanging on. Okay. So Paul wrote the letter in order to encourage the new church in their faith because they're living in the last days. Folks, we're living in the last days. So let me just stop for a moment. I, I, I really feel like these letters are key right now for us. Why? Because, man, you think things are getting better? They're not. And, and, and talk about turmoil and chaos and, and uncertainty I mean, everything's uncertain. Nobody knows what they're doing. And then you've got not just what's happening in the nation, but external things outside of the nation. There's fear among people. And, and, and you're not even sure what it means to be a Christian today in our country. You kind of need a letter of encouragement. And I think this is a good letter of encouragement for us to talk about how we need to live in the last days. Okay? So... He uses the occasion of the letter to instruct the church concerning the second coming. So he's going to talk about the issue of the second coming in this letter, the first letter. Now, specifically, this first letter is going to mention the rapture. Okay? This first letter is going to mention the rapture. And so we're going to talk about that when we get to it, okay? So this first letter mentions the rapture of the church, okay? So he specifically is going to be, and it's the discussion of the rapture is part of a section 
concerning the issue of Jesus coming back. Because what we're going to find is, is the Thessalonians had false teachers coming among them who were saying that Jesus had already come back and they missed it. Did you understand what I'm saying? Stop for a moment. Doesn't that sound like stuff we still hear today? Did you know what I'm saying? So here's a church in AD 50 people were saying that Jesus had come back. Did you understand? And they, and they, they were afraid that they had missed it. Now, if you thought you had missed the second coming and going to be with Jesus, wouldn't you be worried? He's writing the letter to encourage them, okay? To encourage them concerning the second coming. So Paul also uses the letter to defend his apostleship and ministry. So this is one of the earliest letters, and already we see that Paul's got to defend himself concerning his apostleship. Why? Because there are Judaizers, that's Jews who feel that Christians need to live according to the law, and become Jewish, the Gentiles need to become Jewish in order to be saved, they're, they're saying that Paul's not a true apostle. So he uses the occasion to defend his apostleship and his ministry with them. Now, let's talk about Second Thessalonians. Let's talk about the occasion for the letter. This letter was written a few months after the first, while Paul was in Corinth in A.D. 50 to 51. So this is a follow-up letter, just written a couple months after, a few months after the first letter, okay? So this is a follow-up letter. And with because it's a follow-up letter, Paul's going to, you can obviously recognize, he's going to address some things that have come up since the first letter or explain things in the first letter a little bit more, okay? A little bit more. So... Let's talk about the purpose. Paul wrote the letter in order to answer confusion about the second coming. Remember, he, he gave them some further instructions concerning the second coming in the first letter. Now in the second letter, he's got to address some confusion. There's confusion about the second letter. And let's stop for a moment. Hey, folks, when it comes to the issue of Jesus coming back, do you think there's confusion today about the second coming? <laughs> Big time confusion. You would think that we would, after 2,000 years, we kind of have an idea. No, I mean, you hear people all the time saying, oh, we're living in a tribulation. Really? You know, do you know what I'm saying? Well, this ain't what I'm seeing described in the Bible as far as what the tribulation is. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So Paul's dealing with the same thing, confusion. Answer confusion about the second coming. Paul also wrote the letter to encourage the church to endure persecution. Now, this is a message for you and I today, too. Because it's going to increase. Did you understand what I'm saying? People ain't going to be happy about your Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? People are not going to be happy about your Jesus. There used to be a time when you could talk about things like that. You can't do that anymore. Did you understand what I'm saying? And it used to be a time when people maybe respected that, but they don't anymore. They have no respect. And part of it, we've earned that reputation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Part of it is that we've earned that reputation. Now let's go on then. Paul also used the letter to address the issue of not working. So this is a letter where he's going to talk about something very practical about the issue of not working. What do you mean not working? Well, he's got some folks in the Thessalonian church because they've heard the teaching about the second coming. They figure, well, we don't have to do anything. We just need to kick back and wait. So, but how are they surviving? 
on everybody else in the church. So he's got to address that. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's pretty practical, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? So he's going to give us some practical teaching there. So next week we're going to start with 1 Thessalonians chapter 1.